I think organizations that actually buy into this collective culture of uh, self-care, engagement, all of these positive organizational outcomes, there are benefits to their employees, but also benefits to their bottom line. We see this. Tons of research supports that. Welcome to the HR L&D podcast with your host, Nick Day, CEO and founder of JGA Recruitment, specialist HR recruiters. Tuning into the HR L&D podcast will help you to discover strategic growth concepts, leadership development strategies, and the values and behaviors that drive organizational change and success. Together, let's empower our workforces, diversify our thinking, and achieve significant HR success. Hello, and welcome back to the HR L&D podcast. My name is Nick Day. I'm CEO of JGA Recruitment Group, and we're specialist HR recruiters. Now, today, I'm really excited because I'm joined by Dr. Mia Russell, PhD, who is currently a lecturer in the Center for Leadership Education at John Hopkins University, where she teaches leadership and management. So something which all of my listeners are absolutely surrounded by and often are operating in senior leadership roles. So I think this is a show that's going to really be of interest because it talks about something that's hot on HR agendas at the moment, which is about employee engagement. Now, Mia has served in various roles across nonprofit, academic and corporate sectors, and she's drawn on these experiences, as well as the challenges she has faced in relation to work-life integration and work-family conflicts to explore to a deeper level the sustainability of well-being, specifically family economic well-being and, of course, career work-related well-being. And as I said, very much on the HR agenda worldwide following the Great Resignation. Now, as a contributor to the field of financial education and organizational behavior, Mia has published dozens of interdisciplinary articles, developed programs, and consulted with organizations to understand the principles that underpin employee engagement. In fact, she's also the author of a new book called Fired Up, a guide to transforming your team from burnout to engagement. And you can get that book directly in the show notes. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the episode as well. Now, following the transition to virtual and hybrid work structures during the pandemic, we know that many, many employees are stressed, they're disengaged, and ultimately they're feeling burnt out. Many feel their employers are making no effort to help, which is exacerbating the problem even further. And this has been evidenced by the Great Resignation, or as I prefer to call it for those that listen to this show regularly, The Great Awakening. Well, to navigate this complex burnout and well-being conundrum, I've invited Dr. Mia Russell to join me today to find out more about why so many employees are quietly quitting their jobs to help us understand what HR leaders, that's you out there, our listeners, can do to support these employees and turn the tide so leaders can deliver improved conditions that support sustainable employee well-being environment. So without further ado, let me introduce you to today's expert on this subject, Dr. Mia Russell, PhD, to the show. Mia, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling great, Nick. Thanks for the invitation. Happy to be here. Hello to all your listeners. Yeah, really excited. So let me start with the first question. I know you know it's coming because you're a listener to the show already. Uh, What do the words human resources mean to you? So when I think about human resources and really the the department, right, I think about those key individuals that are helping to facilitate what we often say are the organization's most valuable asset, the people, right, to facilitate their well-being in all areas. So human resources support the organization and the workforce in that way. Love that. Fantastic. What a great start to the show. So let's jump into the the detail then. Something you've studied, you've written reports on, you've authored your first book on as well, a number of of different pieces of literature on the subject. Why are so many employees 
quietly quitting? Yeah, so I think I'm not sure that this is actually a true uh, construct now, right? But it is definitely a part of the popular press, right? I think kind of born on TikTok. Yeah. And what I understand uh, quiet quitting to be is that people are doing kind of, uh, you know, meeting their expectations, right? It's kind of the status quo at work. People are frowning on this idea of quiet quitting because, in essence, people have so much potential and they can actually make meaningful contributions. And when they make meaningful contributions, uh, personally and professionally, there are benefits. And so the idea of quiet quitting shouldn't be kind of shunned because you are doing your job. But the idea is that there is so much more and that you can actually enjoy what you're doing. Right. But I do think that this could be a consequence of burnout. And so when we talk about burnout, whether you you call it the great awakening, great resignation, whatever we call this thing, there has been an exodus from the workplace and people are reimagining, kind of reconceptualizing their the relationship that they want with work and the role that work should play in their lives. So I think these are interrelated because people are tired and certainly they were tired. A lot of the research that we have, we found prior to uh, 2019, but the pandemic certainly exacerbated, as you mentioned, exacerbated all of these feelings and, and really probably gave us the push that we needed to rethink how we want to live. Yeah, it makes sense as well. We often don't think about how much time we spend at work, right? We spend more time at work than we do asleep, but we spend more time working than we do actually having time to do the things we often love, which is outside of work. Here in the UK, we work Monday to Friday. Typically, we have weekends off. So we have two days off, five days at work. It's probably not surprising that a lot of people are starting to feel a little bit burnt out, a little bit exhausted, but this isn't necessarily a new problem, right? So what's what's causing burnout in the workplace? What are the consequences of it? Well, let me start by saying what burn, let's talk about what burnout is, right? Sure. Just in case uh, there's any confusion. And often uh, I find comparisons. My co-author, uh, Dr. Gervin Liggins, also reminds me of this, right? This comparison, thinking about what burnout isn't is often a way to uh, help people better understand. So sure. first, burnout really simply isn't just in one's head or isn't just something to get over. It isn't just anxiety or frustration or overwhelm. It isn't just physical or emotional exhaustion or feelings of anxiety, or maybe as we talk about it now, it's not just a resiliency deficit. In fact, those could be symptoms, right? But it isn't actually the definition of burnout or what burnout is. In 2019, again, pre-pandemic, the World Health Organization, I guess, what is it, classified burnout as a workplace phenomenon. And due to excessive or chronic workplace stress, right? And the World Health Organization or WHO is concerned about it because while burnout isn't a disease or an illness, it can cause countless diseases and illnesses, right? From, uh, you know, there's research that suggests you had a higher likelihood of experiencing burnout if you work more than 55 hours a week, if you have excessive stress, more likely to have a stroke, Um, And then there are all types of things like high blood pressure or, you know, we think about these types of medical conditions that tremendously harm our body. Sure. 
But burnout is a progressive workplace phenomenon, right? So it doesn't happen immediately. It builds up. And it really starts with emotional and physical exhaustion, right? So we're tired. And that tiredness leads to cynicism. And then ultimately, this reduced, what we call reduced professional efficacy or this uh, these feelings of uh, lack of accomplishment, right? So we like to paint this picture of a person kind of stumbling through work with a cloud of self-doubt over them, feeling really weighed down by job pressures. And that, you know, certainly not a nice picture, but it becomes more bleak when you think about this person cannot bring their best self to work. They cannot show up and be very productive and exhibit great performance. And they cannot really contribute to a team. And worst is that these feelings can spread, right? Burnout is contagious. So when you think about a person having this negative affect around others, it can rub off. And so these are the types of things that the HR leaders listening to this podcast podcast, (laughs) (laughs) might need to be thinking about, right? It isn't just, right, we want to curb it, we want to catch it, but we also need to be mindful of how it can spread. Really, really good that you've you've made that definition. You talked to them about the health concerns. We know that stress releases things like cortisol in the body and, you know, these imbalances can cause medical issues. You're absolutely right. But it's interesting to to think that post-pandemic, There'll be those out there that would argue for a lot of people, they had a they had a period of rest if they were furloughed or they weren't able to work. There's, of course, stresses outside of work, but maybe there's been a, a period of rest that employees may not have had in the past. There'll be the, the counter arguments out there. I'm not one, but there will be out there, the alternative voice that says, you know, what do they need to worry about? Right, you go to work, you get home. What What is there more to worry about now than there was at any other time? So what are some of the pressures that you feel people are holding now? What's changed, you know, I guess, as we look at it, look forward that perhaps wasn't there in the past? Why is this now in public consciousness where it wasn't before? Well, we know that organizations often require more with less, right? And this added workload is creating fatigue. I think uh, thinking about some recent stats, 61% of employees uh, report high levels of stress, stress because of chronic work demands. 66% feel overextended by their workload, right? There are countless studies that have looked at workload and stress. And so if we are requiring more with less, that is one of the problems. We also know as you talk about thinking forward or looking forward, that now there's a big discussion about layoffs. And so thinking about having a smaller workforce with the same amount of work needing to get done, that leaves a significant burden on those that remain in the organization. And so I don't think, you know, that it's this easy process. I don't think it's as simple as that. So I think that the issue goes beyond whether or not there are workload issues, right? We know that that is a problem and organizations are going to continue to want more. And If there are fewer people in the workforce, that is a consequence. And when we think about the numbers related to turnover or people being left in the organization because others leave, we see that 20 to 50 percent of turnover related effects, those in terms of burnout. Right. So there's also an increased level of depression that we find when people are um, overburdened with work and people are less likely to take time off. I wonder what it will look like as we enter this 
kind of new wave. I'm not sure if you've coined a term yet as we think about the layoffs that are coming. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I mean, we're looking at you know, all the headlines over here in the UK. There's a frenzy for you know the, the, the risks of recession and we like to be really you know doom and gloom in the way that we, we publicize the news here in the UK. And that causes panic and that causes stress. And I love what you said earlier about, you know, if someone is particularly feeling burnt out or stressed, that actually that can be contagious because we do work in eco, in, in echo chambers at work, right? And we, we hear our voice echoed and then other people, re, you know, revert that echo elsewhere and suddenly it becomes a problem. And actually suddenly there's a, if we go back to the great resignation, that awakening, that awareness that actually I feel the same and I hadn't identified the symptoms until now. And actually maybe I'm feeling stressed and we're, and burnt out. And as you say, it becomes, it becomes an issue. We've got a lot of stuff going on in the UK as well. On the, on the completely other side of the coin, I'd love to get your view. And I don't know if this is happening in the US yet at all, but there's a lot of research and a lot of companies exploring and experimenting now with the four-day week. And I know that there are companies in Scandinavia that are already adopting this you know, nationwide. I don't know yet of the impacts of that in terms of how much it impacts on productivity and, and bottom line performance. I can only assume it improves well-being and wellness uh, if that gives people more time away but I, I wonder if you've come across the four-day week where you are and if you have any thoughts on that being a, a positive potential I wouldn't say solution but 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 something that can, can contribute towards a, a better employee engagement solution. I've been reading a lot about this um, I've seen a couple of reports uh, I think McKinsey put something out yeah. I wonder I don't have any research I haven't done any research on the four-day work week but we have seen this in our federal government People can work four 10-hour days, but that isn't necessarily the same thing. I wonder if we're trying to compress. It's a compressed work week, right? It. I don't know that it speaks to the employee well-being. Certainly, if you work longer days, you may need more time to recover, right? I think there are lots of questions uh, that yet to uh, that remain around this idea, but it isn't something that is really catching fire here in the U.S., It'll be interesting to see uh, sure. because people don't want to be back in the office full time. You know, I, I do think we're seeing many hybrid yeah. uh, situations, but it'll be interesting to see how this actually plays out in the years to come. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's a difficult one to assess, isn't it? Because if you ask your employees, you know, you want to get paid the same. It's not a compressed week. You just get an extra day off. They're all going to say yes, right? That's going to be a thing that very few are going to reject reject that option if it's given to them. And so I can understand why this is something that, that employees want to move towards. But from a, a scientific perspective or research perspective, I've read some research, I'm not sure who was Baby McKinsey again, that said that actually for us to fully recover from a stressful week, we need 72 hours. And that's that three days recovery. The weekend isn't quite enough for us to adequately recover and, and to reduce those stress levels. I guess the research will tell us where that goes. But if we're an HR leader listening to this now, what, what can they do to assess their team and their work environment to see if burnout is something that they, you know, that, that may be prevalent in, the, in, in their organizations? Yeah, so we offer a kind of a three-step approach using this organization job personal framework. Uh, burnout, I, I guess if I even want to take a step back and talk about how we might assess burnout, a lot, uh, one of the reasons Gervin and I wrote this book was because much of the research and popular press speaking to burnout uh, speaks to an individual problem, right? It sets burnout at the feet of the employees. Yeah. But we know that organizations, leaders, and managers have many levers that they can pull or manipulate that can affect the work environment, right? So if that is the case and burnout is a workplace phenomenon, certainly there are things that can be done to 
foster a culture of engagement rather than one of burnout. And so we offer this three-step approach, uh, an assessment, acknowledgement, and action. Um, and we have this social ecological kind of framework overlay. It's important to assess the organization. What are the policies and practices? Kind of consider the job per se. Uh, what is happening in the organization that is helping or hindering your team, right? Then you want to consider the job or the specific position. How does this role align with the strengths of employees? I know we often try to make employees fit Sometimes we want to take a square peg and put it in a round hole yeah. or vice versa. But we know that employees have special strengths, unique strengths. And sometimes if we think about the actual work that they are doing, it could be a better use of resources to align their skills and talents in other ways. And then we also want to consider the personal so uh, or the person. We can't really affect what is happening to a person outside their life, right, Out, outside of work. But being aware of what is going on with them, having some compassion, empathy goes a really long way. Uh, establishing trusting, uh, respectful, high quality relationships between uh, leaders and uh, employees goes a really long way. So if they do, if they are feeling uh, experiencing burnout, uh, feeling some of these signs or symptoms, they can at least come and have a language, right? You all have a common language and an mm -hmm. understanding um, because we're all in this together. This isn't about you take those two days or maybe if you're lucky three days and you go recover. It's that we're all in this together for the betterment of all of us, right? And I think organizations that actually buy into this collective culture of uh, self-care, engagement, all of these positive organizational outcomes, there are benefits to their employees, but also benefits to their bottom line. We see this. Tons of research supports sure. that. Yeah, sure. I think also it harbors a, uh, a culture of trust, which is yeah. really, really important, right? And I, I think it was interesting you mentioned that we, we can't control necessarily what happens in, in employees' personal lives, right? But we know that Pretty much everyone in our workforce at some point in their lives, no matter what their, their, their age or background is, is going to suffer some kind of trauma at some point during their working careers. Um, but I think it's interesting that you mentioned there that stress is different to burnout, right? So you can be stressed outside. That doesn't, you know, because you're going through an issue at home, whatever that might be, that doesn't mean you're burnt out. But it's it's definitely something that contributes to burnout. And I think if, if an employer provides a safe environment where you can talk honestly and transparently about the things that you're you're handling in your home life or your personal life then it makes it easier to handle other aspects that can can be contributing to burnout as well at the same time i guess i think that's what i'd be really interested to hear particularly for the hr leaders listening to this that perhaps they've identified there's a either a department a full department suffering maybe burnout or an individual is it possible to turn those teams from a position of burnout to a position of engagement yeah, I think the good news is the same type of energy and kind of the elements that build burnout can also build engagement, right? So when we bring energy to our energy to the work environment, it can be it can turn into with the right type of enthusiasm and kind of supports and organizational support. It can turn into vigor, which is a part of engagement. But if it is not, it can be draining and it can turn into exhaustion, right? So I think that is one way. We also talk about efficacy, that professional efficacy. And if 
if employees feel that uh, the work that they are doing is meaningful, uh, it's helping others, it's valued, they can become more absorbed in their work, more dedicated to their work because they know that they're making a difference. If not, it it can kind of lead to that cynicism. Why am I doing this anyway? Yeah, definitely to that professional inefficacy where they're wondering if 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 what they're doing matters. It leads to that idea of that cloud of self-doubt around their accomplishments. So it's the same type of energy and aspects of efficacy, our confidence that we bring. It's just how are they encouraged, fostered, right, uh, supported? So yes, I think that a person that is experiencing burnout can be kind of transformed, right? That's that's the title of our book. In fact, we actually walk through this process that we kind of identify as a burnout risk manager, right? Many organizations have a focus on risk management. And in general, risk managers are curious and skilled about thinking how about various decisions or practices and policies can impact the future and future plans. And in general, risk managers are looking to identify risks, design strategies uh, that can protect against any harmful activities and practices. So if we think about burnout in the same way, you know, we would argue that every leader, really every person could be trained as a burnout risk manager, the things that you should look for so that we can protect against this lost productivity, this increased presenteeism. And when you're looking for these things, you know, what might you want to be on the lookout for? It is the emotional and physical drain, uh, perhaps when we think about cynicism, the callous or uncaring attitudes, reduced responsiveness to others' needs or the job, you know, that they're affect that work has changed. Maybe their commitment to work has changed. Perhaps they have negative interpretations of performance reviews or other types of accomplishments at work. And and I think what's also important to note is that the research around the the burnout scale, the MBI, uh, suggests that if people are tired before they start work, that is a strong indicator that they are experiencing burnout. Have you ever asked yourself, how can any recruiter understand my HR recruitment challenges? Please don't give up on your hiring challenges just yet. Here at JGA HR Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting and retaining top human resources talent. We also understand just how costly a poor hire can be. JGA HR Recruitment would like to partner with you to help you overcome your hiring challenges. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. I'm a big fan of energies. You know, I believe we all have a little battery, right? We can all manage our time or time we can't manage rather, but we can manage our energies. And, you know, I, I kind of have a visualization of us like myself with like a Duracell battery, obviously other brands are available, but, you know, kind of going up and down depending on where I am in the day and the things that give me energy and the things that that, that would take my energy away. And I'll, I'll always recommend to others that they look at things like energy audits and what are the things you can do and help and to balance our own work-life balances and the energies in our office. And I don't know if this is true and you, it's probably a little bit too uh, blasé, really, to bring it into uh, a, an efficient context here. But I read recently that the the response we have between excitement and delight is very similar inside the body as fear. 
The one thing we do differently between the two is when we are fearful of something, we hold our breath. And when we're excited, we breathe. And actually, often if we can just breathe a little bit more and just think about things and how we, you know, what are the things that are draining us, we can we can find a better response. I know that's a simple solution to a much more complex problem, but I I, I like the way that you resonated and talked about and the energy systems and actually there is some close relationships here and if we're more aligned and more able to understand people's energies and the things that are causing problems in, in that energy cycle then i think we can hopefully find better solutions to get that re-engagement you were talking about interestingly though we talked about teams there presumably if there's a manager that's feeling burnt out who's managing large teams perhaps the teams aren't feeling burnt out at all perhaps they're really energized but there's someone higher up the chain the hierarchical chain it's a manager that's struggling with with burnout what do we do in that situation? Because that might be an individual rather than a team. And why is it important potentially that we we don't just look at teams for burnout, but we identify where there might be sort of senior decision makers that are suffering from this as well? Yeah, I think the kind of the, the rationale for looking at this is the same because we still want that manager, right? It doesn't matter if you are on a team, you're an individual contributor, you are a manager. We still want you to bring your best self to work. And if there are things that are disabling that energy that you want to bring to the work environment and to the work, to the people, your colleagues, it kind of diminishes our performance and productivity as an organization. So I don't think anything changes. You know, when we think about the cost of burnout, when we when we think about burnout and we add anxiety and depression, I think that number tops one trillion dollars globally. So. Anyone that is experiencing burnout deserves your help, right? Anyone that is experiencing burnout deserves to get help, right? It doesn't matter. <laughs> We've got to identify it, I guess. So what are, what, are, what are the interconnected aspects of the work environment then that perhaps can be contributing to workplace burnout? So if, we, if I think, go back to this idea of our framework, the organization job yeah personal framework or what we call the OJP. It's um, kind of, again, grounded in theory that there are multiple levels in this phenomenon, right, that are affecting how we feel, right, are affecting how we are experiencing chronic stress, maybe, right? We think about the organization. So when, again, when we think about the organization, it's not just practices and policies, but what about the physical environment? Uh, could it be more pleasant, more inviting, uh, more collaborative? Is the lighting right? Is there a way to improve the transparency and frequency of communication? We know that that's a big deal. Um, and you already talked about transparency. When we think about the job, you know, are the right people assigned to the right task? So I'm talking about a job audit, but you're also bringing this point that we might want to think about an energy audit. What are those things that you do? I like to say that makes your heart skip a beat, right? Not mm -hmm. medically, but you know, sure, <laughs> sure. is it possible to reassign tasks or redesign roles? Maybe to align strengths, but also to spread work out more equitably. Are there ways to improve workflow? Are there cogs in a process or bottlenecks? I know that th those bottlenecks, uh, at least personally, have create challenge for me, right? When you have, there are so many hurdles that you have to jump over in order to get your job done. Also, we want to think about the role of ambiguity, right? So we know that ambiguity increases change fatigue, right? This We are in complex, dynamic, and modern workplaces that are full yeah. of changes. And people get tired of it. And then again, if we think about the, that final level, uh, the person, 
you know, how, again, the high quality relationships or building more meaningful relationships with your team, trying to encourage more of a collective approach, uh, leveraging their strengths and creating opportunities for personal and professional development. These are ideas of stretch goals or stretch assignments where people can have some job demands, but they're challenging ones that can help them grow. And when we think about all of the complex uh, relationships in the workplace, this approach, this OJP framework allows us to look at an organization and think about what are those specific factors, specific conditions that we can modify, right? What levers can we pull to create more of a climate of trust, respect, fairness, rather than burnout? Those are the same factors that you can manipulate that can lead to burnout or lead to engagement. I mean, you've described that so articulately. I think that's the that, this is the section people need to rewind and go back to and just just revisit it. Particularly if you think you've got a team that that may be struggling with burnout, you've given some some very uh, straightforward solutions there that people can implement. And that sometimes we overlook them. I think um, an exercise I do from a coaching perspective when I coaching coaching individuals or, or senior leaders. I say, look, what's on your hell yes, your hell no, and your maybe list? Now, people will do the things they love to do, and they'll want to get things off the to-do list they don't like to do. But what's really interesting when they do this project is often something on my hell no list might be on someone's hell yes. And we might be in the same team, and we've never realized that there's, I'm doing a task that they would actually love to do that I hate doing, and vice versa. But we're all different. And unless we kind of go through these exercises and work out what it is we love to do, what gives us energy and the things that don't, you know, we don't always explore what those things are and we don't learn enough about it, our, our own teammates to understand you know, what are the things that give each other energy i think you um articulated that perfectly well uh, there is a, a book that i want to talk about now stuart craner who is a thinking uh, 50 co-founder I'm, I'm a big fan of the work he's done i'm part of the, uh, the thinkers group as well and try and follow what they try and do he's read your book and he said to quote him that fired up which is the name of the book and um, tackles in a very practical and inspiring way one of the most pressing challenges of our time now my understanding of the book is that it was written to be a guide to help leaders transform their teams from burnout to engagement, something we've talked a lot about during the course of this show. As I mentioned, there is a link to the to the book directly in the show notes if you're interested in getting a copy. But because it does give us a framework, it does give us kind of a step-by-step guide. I wonder if you can just tell us a little bit more about the book, what people could expect to find within it if they are an HR leader looking to you know, really improve this big issue, actually, that's often not talked about enough in the workplace to help them improve engagement within their teams. Sure. And, uh, you know, we're delighted that Stuart gave us that uh, endorsement. When we think about the book, we walk through three specific steps, right, that supports this lens of looking at the organization or looking at burnout um, in three ways, right, in three levels. Yeah. So we start with this assessment, right? And we, how do we identify factors that are creating challenges for our team, right? And so we offer actual tools in the book. You'll find worksheets, assessments, and the like, even some activities that can be done with your team within the book. So in step one to assess, it's really uh, to understand what are the things that are helping, hindering, or perhaps could be warning signs for your team. So we often, I think as people, we often think about, okay, let me go right to those things that are hurting my team and solve, solve those. But we also know that it takes a lot of energy and effort to kind of fill a hole rather than leveraging or, or jumping off of using a trampoline, let me say, off of those things that we're doing well. 
So it's this balance. It will take a lot of your time to kind of neutralize those job demands. So we want to kind of weigh them appropriately. The things that are helping your team, you want to keep doing. Perhaps you can find better ways to do them. If they feel like they have uh, limited autonomy, perhaps there's ways to increase autonomy. If they think that they understand what's going on in the organization, so your communication is moderately okay, Perhaps there are ways for you to increase uh, the frequency and the transparency of the communication, or you go a step further and involve them in decision making. So again, identifying those things that we call helpers, the things that are working well, then the hindrances, the things that aren't working so well, how might you minimize these hindrances? And then for the things that we call warning signs, you know, what type of monitoring system can you put in place? So that this doesn't slip, you know, fall between the cracks. So this is the assessment process. And again, in the book, we offer tools to help you assess 20 key factors that we know are related to burnout and engagement. Next, we go to acknowledge. And this acknowledgement phase is really a, a, a perspective taking. You know, there are many things that you do not have control over. So let us narrow in and focus on your span of control. So perhaps within your span of control, there are five kind of helpers and hindrances that you could help to manipulate in more positive ways. We also think about the external context. So, you know, it's not lost on us that we've got to think about the pandemic, right? It may not be that everyone is at home, but we've got to figure out how do we address these hindrances without frustrating our team even more because now we want to tell them they're all required to be in the office five days a week for eight hours, right? So how do we manage that? Or what are some of the, what's the pulse of our team um, internally and externally? Or what are some of these regulations that may be now impacting our industry or our company, right? And so this is really just a perspective taking what's happening internally and externally. What do I have control over? And what are these helpers and hindrances that kind of, if we think about a Venn diagram, that kind of fall right there in the middle, right? What can I do? Sure. And together we take this information and we think about strategies that we can put into place. And so in the book, we offer dozens. I can't, I don't yeah. even, I can't even tell you how many. This was a this was a labor of love to say the least. But we offer probably at least 20 different strategies for each of the potential helper and hindrance. And so if you have an issue with autonomy or if you have an issue with transparent communication or rewards and recognition, here are some things that you can do. And certainly the book is not framed to be a panacea, right? We know that uh, while we know burnout is evident and is prevalent in every industry globally, we know that our solutions can't be. But perhaps we can borrow solutions from other industries that we know work. Or there are ways for us to uh, tweak them so that they work better for our organization, our team, et cetera. So that's kind of the the second half of the book, walking through how do we assess, identify, evaluate what's going on, and then ultimately coming up with this plan, uh, with this perspective taken, because we must take into account all of the things that are happening around, around us, on our team, with people. That's the process that we offer in the book. 
Yeah, fantastic. And as you, you know, we started right at the start of this show, right? The, people are quietly quitting. That doesn't mean they're quitting their jobs, but they're quitting the work that they do. They're not, they're not giving their whole selves to work. So if we're an HR professional listening to this and think this isn't prevalent in your business, you know, maybe we're not looking hard enough because we need to be very aware of these things. We need employee engagement now as the great resignation has absolutely shown. And myself as a recruiter has seen the impact of the great resignation because we've seen a lot of people change positions and change opportunities and change what they're looking for and ask different questions than they've ever asked before of their employer. You know, people are much, much more demanding now of the, of the next work environment they move into. So it's 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 a real on-trend topic right now that we need to be addressing, for want of a better word. It's right there in organizations. And the reviews for your book have been absolutely outstanding. So, you know, this sounds like a, a fantastic three-step framework for HR individuals to, to really absorb and, and get to grips with if they think this is something that they can that they need to, to address in their organizations. As I said, there will be a link in the show notes to, to find out more. My last question before we open the vault, I know you're ready for the vault because uh, you're aware of that section here. So you've got one more question before I get there. Is this, so as someone who is you know, absolutely passionate and dedicated to improving well-being for those at, those at work, I would love to know what you're researching now. What's the next thing, if that's the right word to play? What, what's the things that, that's occupying your, your own mindset in the way that the, the work is shifting? The way that work is shifting has me thinking about lots of things. Um, actually, coming out of the pandemic, I'm really interested in resilience and uh, what that looks like personally and professionally. I've also been thinking about how do you better equip employees, right? It's not their fault, right? I believe burnout is an organizational problem. Sure. But how can we equip employees perhaps to have a the language to talk to their managers, their leaders, their organization to push policies or practices that that might improve the work environment for everyone. Right. So it's yeah. a mix between a, this language of burnout or engagement and advocacy. Right. In appropriate ways. Those are probably the two things that I'm spending a lot of time thinking about right now. And you can also see how resilience can also kind of tie into this. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think the language piece that ties in a lot to to trust and transparency, right? Because most people won't speak because they're fearful of retribution or they're fearful of if I say something, how's my employer going to take that information and use that? You know, I don't want it to be used against me. And as we know, anxiety um, and uncertainty are, are, are things that contribute to stress and, and other things. So uh, if we can get that language right and we can build cultures of trust and transparency, then hopefully that that process becomes easier. But watch this space. Um, I'll be fascinated to see the, the next bit of research that comes out from you. I know you're, you're regularly publishing papers, so we'll, we'll, I'll keep a close eye on that for sure. Opening the L&D vault. Let's open the HR L&D vault then. So what's the one piece of advice you would give the world? One piece of advice I would give the world, I have a, I thought about this. I have a little uh, plaque here on my desk. It says, Super. in a world where you can be anything, be kind. And I think caring about others, um, you know, having empathy, compassion, extending kindness and grace is really a gift, not just a piece of advice that I want to give the world. Yeah, fantastic. I can't argue with that. Empathy, so important. If you had the opportunity, what advice would you give to a younger you just starting out in this new world of work? Yes, I would tell a younger Mia to be strategic and intentional about work, you know, work-life balance, work-life integration. I'm interested in these topics because they've been a challenge for me personally. 
I think I'm finally getting there, you know, in many ways, even writing this book is in some ways cathartic, right? But and really probably to almost any young woman, I think learning to be strategic and intentional about how you want to live and the role that work plays and the type of work that you want to do and why is important. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it links closely to, you know, if you if you do what you love, then you'll love what you do. Right. And um, your passion comes through for this, Mir. So I think you're someone that certainly embodies that that idea. So what a great response. Uh, Last but not least, what is the guiding principle or behavior that you've seen in every great leader that you've worked with? You know, really going back to something that we've already talked about, I think it comes down to building high quality relationships built on trust and respect. When they have that, it, it seems that they can bring together their their teams, they can launch things, they can do whatever. Like it's almost like the possibilities are endless when that is the case, right? That there are high quality relationships. Really, that's a culture, right? That others believe in that. The importance of these relationships built on trust and respect. I think those are superpowers. Yeah. For sure. Fantastic. Well, look, for anyone here interested in finding out more about Mia's work, uh, there is a website you can go to as well called engagedworkteams.com. I will put a link to that website in the show notes. Uh, And of course, the wonderful book, Fired Up, which is all about transforming people suffering from burnout through to engagement. Uh, Fascinating. As I say, the reviews are outstanding. So do check that out if you're an HR leader. Uh, It gives you a three-step program to follow uh, process and um, I'm sure there can be a lot of solutions in there regardless of what kind of business or sector you're operating in or the size of your company I think as, as we've mentioned there's a number of tools strategies and solutions that you can you can reference for your business to put this into place so I want to say a huge thank you to Dr. Amir Russell uh, PhD for joining us today absolutely fascinating insight into the world of burnout I've enjoyed every second I think I could talk to you for hours about this subject I know it impacts the world of recruitment greatly as well so thank you ever so much for spending time with me today Mia and of course if you are an HR or L&D or HRS professional listening to this show and you need support with an HR related vacancy then please do get in touch with either myself or any of my wonderful team here at jjrecruitment.com a link as well will be in the show notes to our website which is jgarecruitment.com just to say a huge thank you to Mia for joining me today and I look forward to bringing you the next episode of the HR L&D podcast real soon thank you ever so much Mia it's been a pleasure thank you my pleasure thank you so much for tuning into the HR L&D podcast with your host Nick Day CEO of JGA Recruitment Specialist HR Recruiters. If you need any help with the current HR or L&D vacancy, then please get in touch with Nick and his team. All contact details can be found in the episode notes. In the meantime, to make sure you never miss a future episode, please subscribe to the show through any of your favourite podcast channels. Till next time.